Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Hey, man. How are you? Doing well. Excited. Excited for this pod tonight, of course, because of all the uh, the big Premier League action from over the weekend to talk about. But also, JJ, we are on. We're recording this uh, as we do late, super late Monday night. It's Champions League Eve. Yeah, and it snuck up on us there. Um, it's it's going to be weird to have it back now because why? Um, I have a baby now, and the last time there was Champions League action, I didn't, and I tend <laughs> it was just me on the sofa now. So now I'm gonna have Roisin on my knee watching Champions League action. She's she's actually kind of started to get into sports already in terms of the pictures and movement of the TV hold her attention. So I can turn her around where she's not facing me, and she will watch the TV intently. Um, and if the TV is on when we're trying to feed her, sometimes she will just watch the TV and forget to to suck on her bottle. So I think she's already captivated by television much as her as her old man was. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to hear you because I do this too. The way we measure time, we do yeah. so by by sports entirely. Like when people and- like if, when people will reference something about like a certain year. Like, oh, you know, 2008, like, what what were you doing then? I was like, I'll always think, well, the Phillies won the World Series. That was a good year. And yeah. then somebody says, like, oh, 2005, how are you, like, what was going on? Oh, well, no, that was when T.O. had his bust up with the Eagles. And, and no, that was a bad year. Like, I just think every my mind immediately just goes to whatever the biggest thing that was happening in sports that year. And that's how I measure time. Yeah, I parceled it out in, in now, obviously, having a child is a major timekeeper. You are on the bloody clock. 
towards your 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 doom which is on its way um but i i don't think i'll change in that like if someone says to me 1996 i'm thinking of the european championships yeah if someone says 2005 i'm thinking of istanbul and you said 2008 there i'm thinking fernando torres in the final uh, of the european championships to set spain on their way for that glorious few years where they were kings of of soccer before they decided to pass themselves to death <laughs> so like it's it's all yeah you parcel out your life your summers in particular. Like if you uh, ask me anything like where I was professionally, like what I what was I doing in 2011? Like my job. Like you have to I, think. It's, it's hard. I, I wouldn't immediately know, but I could tell you instantaneously, oh, the Phillies won 100 plus games that year and lost to the Cardinals in, in the divisional round. Like that was the year we, you know, acquired the dream team Eagles. Like I, I that's just how I measure time and remember and I say- years. Can I can I also say because now that you're you're mentioning the the Eagles and the NFL, you were wrong. Uh, if if Reddit is anything to go by, I don't know if you've been lurking as you no. as, as, as in the one. I have not. Um, yeah, the, the there was a aggregating factor seventy seven, aggravating underscore factor seventy seven. Uh, uh, he he put up a thread and it was, you know, it was enthusiastically uh, reinforced. Um, his point being that the cutoff side pod will always come first. You were saying, oh, you know, we're probably slipping down the pecking order, you know, people listening to their NFL stuff. No. Um, well, we'll find out. There there will be, like, there will be an objective way of measuring this. My prediction was that it was an international break. It seemed to be an unusually, by our own admittance, an unusually uninteresting international break. And it also coincided with the NFL beginning in the US. He may maybe he's right, but a month from now or whenever I decide to go back and look at the numbers, I'll objectively be able to tell you whether or not he's right or I was right. If the numbers he, suffered in that pod like I said they will or maybe not. Noah the QB makes a good point here. I'm being 100% serious when I say this. I would listen to Andy and JJ talk for an hour and a half about literally anything. Soccer is my favorite sport, but if they did a random one off where they did a deep dive on their favorite movies, I'd be just as excited to tune in. I often thought that we should do like a culture podcast. And when I say culture, I don't mean both of us in tweed jackets in leather seats. No, no, no. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. But like just talking about stuff that we've seen or maybe interviewing people who are doing stuff like like as an ancillary pod, like just an extra yeah. pod. Hmm. Like so we'd still, we'd do two soccer a week and we do one bonus one like, um, and it, just, just something, uh, something a bit different because we do go off on those tangents, and sometimes we don't get to explore them fully. Um, Interesting. Yeah. All right, that's something to think but about. The mailbag tonight, we get to do a little bit of culture because um, we get to talk about. Here's the problem. One of the questions is what any new music recommendations? Yeah. And like that's fine for me. Oh, here we go. But you don't listen to anything new, and it's not a criticism. But no, you in just fact, can't my answer. my answer. It's it's I have an answer to the question, but it it falls directly in line with what you're saying right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a criticism. It's definitely not. No, I I, I like what I like. Um, I do. try. I do listen to some new stuff, but um, my answer to that question tonight will probably disappoint a lot of people. Um, Let's get into the pod, JJ, because there's a lot there's a lot to get into from over the weekend. Um, Let's start. Yeah, let, let's start at White Hart Lane. 
or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, whatever they want to call it. I still, I can't help, I don't know. I can't help but refer to it as White Hart Lane. I, I mean, technically it technically still is. Yeah, but I don't think it's, but it's not called that. No, it's called so, uh, it's called the the Tottenham Stadium or whatever the hell. Like at a certain point, I had like Al Michaels got made fun of last week because he referred to Lincoln Financial Field. He he said coming back from break now, beautiful shot of Veterans Stadium. And I was just like, come on, like <laughs> it's been almost twenty years, really. So like at a certain point, I, I I'm going to become that well, if I keep. But was Veterans Stadium Lane. was Veterans Stadium like where the link was? The link, the link was built across the street. From where the vet was. Oh, geez, he's he's well within his rights. I'm fine with that. I like no, he, it's, people. But, no, that I've no, seen. No, no, no. He can't no, call it that. You can't. He cannot call the link the vet. They're different buildings. They're. It's been almost two decades. Like no, I don't know, man. I call Lansdowne Road. I call the Aviva Stadium Lansdowne Road. It's built right on top of where it was. Why should I give some insurance company the you know like why should I do that? They they're naming rights. You bought them good. I I refuse. Not. I think at a certain point we have to move on. Now maybe it's different because like Lansdowne, like these are also these almost seem like addresses as much as they do names of stadiums. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that complicates. Yeah. A it. lot of them used to like Highfield Road where Coventry <laughs> used to play. I mean, it's the road that the stadium was built on. Right. So maybe you can get away with a Ramel Lane. Right. Right. So maybe you can get away with those. But you can't call the link the vet. Stop. No, I think it's and, a, and he was ridiculed for it properly. So I like uh, that. I like that old man kind of. It just gives us a sense of of how old he is and and all, all the things he's seen. That's kind of nice. I was alive for the vet. My whole youth was spent there. I've been really? able to. I've when been, did they close the vet? Uh, when did they? Was it 03? I think is oh. when they detonated it. I believe detonated it. When it exploded into oh awesome! Did you cry? Did you weep? With, no, with no, I didn't. Uh, I did not. I mean, it was there was definitely like some nostalgia with that building coming down, but it was such a, it really was an awful venue. Like you have, I have great moments there, um, but I think there was more excitement for what was for the new buildings that like it kind of it. it it eased the pain of losing that building. Right. Okay. So there was nothing, there was nothing like this, the kind of uh, pageantry we saw when Tottenham stadium was taken down at, or, uh, or when, um, I, I mean, mean, there were, remember, there were big remember, ceremonies. Like remember when, the bowling ground also oh too, God. it also helped that the last football game at the vet was the worst Eagles defeat of my lifetime. And so it was just like, Oh, get us, get us out of here. Like the memories, like it, it made it easier as opposed to like, if your last victory at a place was some like, you know, great triumphant moment. Um, okay. I think that probably helped, but let's start at the lane, JJ with Tottenham, at the vet, uh, where Tottenham break their own previous record for the latest uh, defeat to victory. Uh, remember a couple seasons ago, of course, that unbelievable Steven Bergvine finish at Leicester city. Um, and now they do it. That. Well, I certainly do. Um, and uh, now they do it again with two incredible late goals uh, for Tottenham to go on and, and win this one over Sheffield United. Um, my initial, I, I don't need to go too deeply into this. I have one just main thing that I took away from this game. 
Um, we'll get into the other elements of it as Paul Heckingbottom had a lot of things to say afterwards about the way it was officiated. But before I, before getting into the, the referee part of it, I just have one main thing on this, JJ, okay. and it revolves around one guy in particular, and that is Richarlison. Um, he has obviously been much maligned since he got to Spurs. He, they paid a lot of money for him, like we've talked about, and he has not even come remotely close to living up to what his price tag was now that's not his fault he didn't choose to cost that much that's what Tottenham decided that he was worth um but this past week it seemed like a lot of things for Richarlison came to a head um as probably most of you seen by now he was on national team duty with Brazil and in their game against Bolivia which they won with ease uh Mm. he missed he missed a couple chances big chances um and he was taken off and when he was subbed off he could clearly be seen on the bench for Brazil and he was in tears. He was crying. Um, now he was asked about this and I think some of it ha- has had to do with the frustration of how th- this has all gone for him professionally, but there are things happening for him away from the pitch as well. Um, there's been some talk in Brazil about maybe a falling out with his agent. Um, it's not entirely clear. I think what's going on. I think he, he referenced some things maybe financially, um, I don't know if that was having to do with his agent or what, but there are things that have also happened to him away from the pitch. And to see him in this same week where all of these things have come to a head, where he's opened up about his mental health, where where he kind of laid it bare on TV in Brazil for all, all of us to see, it, you couldn't help but when he, when he was brought on in this game, the only thing I kept kind of thinking about was, this is a guy right now who just he just needs a win. And like we all have those moments in our life where things are just not going your way. And you sometimes think to yourself, like, I just need a win. Like something yeah. doesn't Give have to be something. big. I just need something to like to start to move me again in the right direction. And I think all of us, you know, they're all on different scales, but I think it's a feeling that we can all relate to in some way or another. And Richarlison clearly like we saw in brazil when he's crying on the field he needed a win and so for that corner to come in and for the ball to ripple the back of the net and then for you to look at who it was that scored it and it's him wheeling away from goal i mean yeah like i I don't expect sheffield united fans to have felt it but certainly as a tottenham fan i just thought god yes like happy they scored and i'm so happy that it was him and i think a lot of neutral fans i'd like to believe um, might have felt the same because mm. I think this. I think this is a, a highly emotional person. Um, and I think you his could face I, his, his face doesn't. Uh, and and the general kind of perception of him at 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 Everton, and maybe it's just the Liverpool fan of me. Um, probably doesn't lend itself to much sympathy. But I think when you outline the things he's been going through, and even if you've just watched him, it's got to be weird to be you know, such a an expensive signing at a football club and then a new manager comes in and like after the Bournemouth game, if you if you just typed his name into Twitter, all there was was like criticism, how he's not the guy. Sure. You know, he just his face doesn't fit, he doesn't work. I mean that's that's gotta affect you. And and again, I think the pressure playing playing for Brazil, missing a sitter for Brazil, there must be like uh, almost like shame to it um so like i on that level you'd be de- you'd be delighted for him that he he did 
you know, he'd score. And I, I'm not sure his long-term future is going to be center forward for Tottenham Hotspur, but um, yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can meet you halfway. Yeah. And like, it's not to suggest that like, I'm only happy for him now because he did something that pleased me. And so now should be the moment. Like, it's not like that, but I just think on a human level, like we could all see that this guy is going through it and like, yeah. he, he can't hide from it. Like he's, you know, he's, so I, I just think from a human to a human, like he he needed something good to happen to him. And I know, yeah, and I can hear people saying, oh, stop. He's got a lot going on in his life. He's a professional soccer player. He's making millions of dollars. I don't need to, I'll save my sympathy for someone else. Fine. Like if, if you want to, if, if that's how you want to go through your life, then that's fine. But I think that we can all understand that regardless of what's in someone's bank account, people are sometimes just going through it like going through difficult times i don't think i don't know that money solves that i don't know that your job no. always solves that i think sometimes people just find themselves in a rut in life and like i said richarlison's was there for the whole world to see and so I, I people can feel about it however they want i know i felt particularly happy for that guy to have been a part of that moment i think as well it's part of the feel good factor that big Ange's brought in um i saw a tweet from michael Halley. Uh, my read of Spurs fandom is that people are enjoying the moment and loving Ange, but not in an unreasonable place about where the talent is right now. And if the next two weeks aren't great, it will still be okay. The horizon is years, not weeks. That now, is that is exactly how I feel. Right. And I I would co-sign on that if I was a Spurs fan. <laughs> the only thing is like, the horizon is years, not weeks. Tell it to Daniel Levy. You know, tell it to... Enoch or whatever, Enios or whatever they're called, Enoch, the owners, like Enoch, e Enoch, Eunuch, whatever it is. Um, just tell it to those guys because there will be a rough patch. And I thought the rough patch was going to start at the weekend. I I, th I thought uh, it would be points dropped at home, or even or even no points at home uh, against Sheffield United, and then and then things would have started a little bit. But I, I think uh, I think Michael has hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, can we talk about? Paul Heckenbottom now because sure. Uh, let's let's actually listen to him. Uh, these comments are going to land him, land him in hot water, but I do think he makes some really good points. The referees just showing how little they know about the game, and they're directing it. So how can how can that be possible? So I go and show them at half time. I want to show them, but I know they can't see it. So we're not taking long and goal from the moment it's down. They're taking within ten seconds, right? From the moment it's down. But what happens is, like, because we're getting out and playing to Ollie and keeping a box, Spurs change what they do. So Wes has a different decision to make, but he can't make his decision until Spurs have moved. Does this, does this make sense? And the referees haven't got a clue. They don't know what I'm saying. The answer back to me was, well, kick long then. So we work all week on how we want to play, and the refs are dictated to us how we play the game. Can't happen, but it's happening. Understand the game. The, 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 they've got obsessed with this time-wasting with these yellow cards for this and this and this. They came over and warned about multiball four times. You're meant to get rid of it if you're not happy with it. You just kept coming over. Guess what happens then? Slows the game down again. Haven't got a clue what they're doing. Haven't. Not, not a clue. And they're ruining the game. If it's the case, Andrew, that there are referees who are, you know, basically looking to expedite the game, make things quicker, um, expedite kickouts and and make them faster and and do it by giving telling you know well just kick it long like like that that can't 
that can't be the case. And I totally understand what he's saying. You know, that's that's why like soccer is just not it it just doesn't work like, you know, play clock. It's not, it cannot be ground down to that. Uh like if you put the ball down for a kick out, you're looking left and right. So if you've got your like what he said, he wants to play it short into the center backs or whatever. If Tottenham realized that's not on, then he has to adjust and do something else. Okay, so right. then the players have to adjust. This is all part of the game. All of it is part of the game. Like yeah. and it's like I know people get frustrated. Look, he's taken forever. But like it's not a case, or at least from what I what I saw of the match, and I didn't see all of it. It wasn't a case that the that uh, Wes Fotheringham was putting the ball down and doing the classic goalkeeper thing where he rattles his cleats off the off you know off the but he of the but post. he was though yeah. he was constantly doing that and adjusting his glove like here no here's... but I mean he was he wasn't doing like a lot of it a lot of it wasn't because he was uh, necessarily time wasting it's because like Tottenham had cottoned on to what they were doing. So he needs to take time to change and do something different. Like I, I don't like, but he, like, even if he does do that, like the referee has the power to move things on quickly. And Heckenbottom's point that that the administration of justice is also delaying time or perceived justice in these time wasting cases is also wasting time. I, I yeah, th- that is true. There's uh, a preoccupation with it now, and it's. I think it's. So, I this mean, is. This is a tricky one because I like Paul Heckingbottom. I like what he says here. Like he's not he's not flown off. Like he's not gone crazy. He's not no. a raving lunatic. Like he's making pretty well thought out points that I think most reasonable people can agree with. Like I, I don't think it's it's right for a referee to essentially dictate the way a team has to play. Like that's that's not right. That would be an injustice. The only problem that I have with his comments, I, I, it's really a couple things. One, I mean, maybe this is tribal. I've watched a lot of games. We know what time-wasting looks like. This was from minute zero. Like, this, would, this to me, this game felt egregious to the mm. point where Tottenham, after they scored the second goal, I, I don't know that I've seen this before. They were openly mocking Sheffield United. After they scored the second goal, right, saw, but there's, the argument there's, there's for shots of argument, James Madison going to the ground, pretending that he's hurt. He's openly laughing. He's doing my, it, making fun of the other team. I know. I, I but this is the thing we talked about. Like, their teams are going to try and use whatever they can, and like, but that's it. Way, but that's whatever. but that is the point. The Premier right. League has said enough time wasting. If you ask, I know you and I have talked about this, and we disagree. But like, mm-hmm. if you ask me, what are the three things that you hate about the Premier League most? Number one for me might be diving. Number two would probably be time wasting. And I think a lot of people, time wasting would probably be one of the things they dislike about the game most. The Premier League knows that. And so this is the season where they've decided to try to weed it out. Now, I think at times, have they gone a little haywire with it? Sure. But like, I... I I can respect a league that understands there's a thing our fans don't like in this game. Let's um, try to get rid of it. Who's fans though? And again, like I, I won't pretend I haven't been frustrated with it because I've seen it done, but it's usually Jordan Pickford that's been doing it to me. So, but this is, this is one of the problems we did pick up on. Um, it is going to limit, you know, it, it was a classic example of the bigger side 
being on the benefit end of extended these extended time periods that they're allowing in the games. Um, yeah, I like for me, it's all in the game. All of it is part of the game. But like all the other thing and, too, and anything so... that gives anything that gives a smaller team a little advantage in a game like that, uh, I'm kind of I'm okay with. But like the other thing too, where Paul Heckenbottom's talking about what you're talking about there, which on the surface is a fine point. If we want to play the ball short from our keeper and Tottenham cover that, well, now we have to readjust. Here's the thing: like I don't buy it. I believe that that is part of their time wasting, and I believe that the statistics back it up. They don't play the ball short, ever. There's X-value stats shows 70% of the time their goal kicks are taken long. That's second most of any club in the Premier League. They don't play the ball mm. short. They don't play the ball short. It was part... Andrew, with his receipts. I mean, honestly, though, part... like. Paul Heckingbottom, he makes a good point. It's not right for the referees to dictate the way we play, but what he doesn't tell you is the part that doesn't help his argument. He doesn't tell you the other part. Also, by the way, part of our strategy in this game was to waste time. It just was. Now, he's not going to say that because that's not going to be a popular opinion. That's not going to win him the argument. So he left that part out. But it it absolutely was. There's no way around that. It's funny. I wonder how much did the result against Manchester City dictate things for for Sheffield United. I know they wouldn't have expected to get anything out of that game, but they were in that game for much, much longer than I thought. I think they thought they would be. And I never really sensed at all that they were wasting time in that game. Like I, that game. Was so frenetic. maybe he's like, we're not going to let that happen again. The, yeah, that, that could be. Fre- that game was frenetic, if anything. And, but the, the, the funny thing about it, though, JJ, is that so Paul Heckenbottom is mad that he wasn't going to, they weren't allowing him, I guess, to waste time in the way that he wanted. But if you think about it, the best thing, the best thing that could have happened to Sheffield United in this game was Wes Fodderingham to get that early yellow card for handling the ball outside of the box. Because what did that do? It allowed him to waste time the whole rest rest of the game. Because he basically is playing a game of chicken with the referee saying, okay, I'm on a yellow. I'm going to bet right now that I can waste all the time I want because I don't think you have the balls to give me a second yellow card and throw me out of this game. And, he, call, and he called their bluff. Yeah. And they didn't. And they talked and Paul Heckenbottom complains about it. And they're, you know, they're, they're getting mad at him for dissent. You know, you should be happy about that. He should have been in, in any other circumstance. If he didn't have a yellow, he would have been yellowed 15 different times for time wasting in this game. But they didn't do it because he was on a yellow. It's the best thing that could have happened to them. So I get Paul Heckenbottom's point. I get why he's mad. But part of their strategy in this game was to time waste. And the Premier League this season is saying no more, no more. So call me tribal. Here, here's one thing that I will say. And it's funny because it's the one thing it seemed like he didn't have a huge problem with. Ollie McBurney's second yellow. Like to me, like I understand another one of the focuses in the Premier League is that they don't want dissent anymore from, from these players. But I do feel like sometimes let's let's use a little common sense logic. It's the 116th minute. This guy has just experienced probably one of the worst defeats of his career. I mean, it's set the record for the latest the team has ever gone from winning to losing a game in the Premier League. So, like, he's he's had his shirt pulled. They missed it. And, like, Holly McBurney's mad. Paul Heckenbottom says he didn't curse or anything like that. He just said they pulled my shirt. And they send him off for that. So now he's suspended. Like... I think that's a situation where it's the 116th and the guy has experienced this awful defeat. Let's let him off the hook. If he does it in the in the in the 50th minute, 
you know, sure. But let's understand the situation under understand this guy's left it all out on the field. He's frustrated. I'm going to let I'm going to let this one slide. I thought something like that, like that would that would make me angry because he's suspended now. Like that hurts them for the next game. Um, but it seemed like Heckenbottom's problems were were primarily elsewhere. So it's an interesting yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I see both sides of it, but I don't know. I just thought part of their strategy was to waste time. So I don't have a ton of sympathy here. No, okay, fair enough. Before we move off this this topic, um, is there there's always a player for whom it, something happened in their career and you always think of that thing. With Wes Fodringham, it's when he was at Swindon and the manager was uh, Paulo De Cano. And he let in two goals early on. One of them was his mistake. And after 22 minutes, De Cano subbed the goalkeeper off. He subbed Fodringham off for a teenager. And I remember uh, Fodringham went down the line. He stormed down the line. He kicked a water bottle. He went down the tunnel, togged in, and then watched the game from the stands. And Decanio said, after he says, he was one of the worst players I have ever seen. He's another player like the others. Why can't we change the goalkeeper? Because the goalkeeper has a different colored shirt. What he did was, what he did was not only the mistake, which can happen to anyone, but the arrogance when he started moaning to the other players, that was the worst thing for me. I feel like Paolo, he's a goalkeeper. That's what they do. It's everybody else's fault. A player that doesn't recognize his mistakes, which were clear from miles away, he started moaning to his teammates. Out there, he behaved as the worst professional, arrogant, ignorant athlete I have ever seen. Ooh. Never one to mince words. Paolo, no, no. Paolo. <laughs> mm, Paulo's he had some political failings, put it that way. His, his he was at the uh, he was at the London Stadium this weekend. Was he? He was there taking in West Ham Man City. Yeah, I think they well, showed him on the hero at West Ham. Um, no amount of fascist sympathies will keep him from the hearts of West Ham United supporters. Yeah. Um, I was gonna do a funny segue with my uh, brother in law and say, speaking of fascists, but, oh, uh, I'm sure he would appreciate he, that. He's definitely not. He took um he took my niece who is seven, Tegan, to her first ever West Ham United game at the weekend. And he took a video of her coming up the steps into the stadium to see, like, the grass. And they're great seats. Lower, lower, much, very close. They could see Pep Guardiola before the game and everything. And just her face. I thought she was going to cry. Oh. Just, uh... You, you can't fake that. That's beautiful. No. It was so lovely. The big smile on her face. So they had a nice. great time. Uh, that's that's what you like that's what you like to hear um let's see jj something that you like to hear liverpool coming Mm. back 3-1 winner away at wolves interesting um before we get to the liverpool side of it i i thought uh, more so maybe in the first half i thought wolves performance the the game a little bit it felt very wolves manchester united like to me like i thought they were good thought they played pretty well especially that first half pedro neto he's he's spectacular he put in one of the best halves I've seen uh, and then end up in the second half to be on the defeated side. Uh, what he did to Joe Gomez was oof, oof, more than once. He was excellent, absolutely excellent. And they were, I mean, they were good value for their for their 1-0. Um, and then Liverpool kind of, um, what Klopp said in the first half, he goes, he saw moments and he was like, in the press conference, he said he was like WTF. That's what the F, that's what the kids are saying, Andrew. Um, and it was, it was, it was bad. 
It was very bad. Disjointed. Another slow start. Liverpool are getting this name for slow starts, and it's it's not it's not what you want. But um, the second half was was good, uh, led by Captain Andy Robertson, who I thought had an excellent second half. Um, and yeah, in the end, it was it was about right. Three one. Salah again. I mean, when he's not scoring, the the pass for the Robertson goal, which was obviously the crucial goal, the go ahead goal. Um, it's so good. Now, Robertson, it doesn't happen if Robertson do, just doesn't take the initiative by himself. I mean, it was a bad kick out from, from Sa, just kicks it straight back to him. But like, he still gets it midway inside the Wolves' half. Like, there's a lot to do. And he just runs in between five Wolves players who are static and takes a, the longest one two you'll ever see and side foots it past the goalkeeper. Now, Salah's pass is just so good. Two assists on the day for him. He's, I mean, just that when you see stuff like that, the idea of that forward line not having him to cash in on 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 two hundred million, I don't care about the economics of it. It it, it would have torpedoed this season, um, and that's another come from behind Liverpool victory. So, a uh, little momentum building, I would think, and players beginning to slot in a a bit. I mean, the defense. I mean, Kwanzaa came in. I thought he did well. Defense not definitely not perfect. I don't think it's ever going to be perfect right right now. Um, midfield starting to gel together, and hopefully, I mean, they have enough weapons in attack that he can switch it up and gets when it's not working. You know, he can bring in Diaz, get Jota out, get Diaz in, um, who's just always seems to carry a threat. Uh, we know the agent of chaos, uh, Nunez, and what he can do. Um, I like Gakpo too. I like the kind of player he is. I uh, yeah, he got his goal. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm warming to him. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly warming to him. I think. Um, I love Savage I think he's he's uh talk about initiative. Thought he was excellent in the way he he kind of got things going. Uh, for a tight bit of interplay for the equalizer. Think. Yeah, I, I don't want to read too much into it. It's 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 so early, but um, that was one of those where last season they probably lose the game. Um, on the rundown, which which is a JJ production this week, it is you you um you brought uh, brought up a point here. You said Andy Robertson was immense, leading by example as captain, and then you asked the question: In the Klopp era, has Robertson's name as an outstanding player got a lo- uh, lost a little bit in the shuffle? Um. Boy, I think that's a great call. Mm-hmm. I really do. He's so reliable. Um, and like he may not have like the the ceiling that a Trent Alexander Arnold has, but right. you know, but Trent is also a little bit volatile. Like he goes through prolonged stretches where e- even a full season it felt like one year where he's not really up to it. Um, I feel like you don't get that with Robertson. I feel like he just kind of pretty much gives a similar high level consistent performance game after game i feel like he's just he's been very reliable for liverpool in this era i would agree with you and um i just he's very reliable he's you know i i think what's missing was his goals you know he scored at the weekend obviously but he gets into the box so much into good positions and he he often doesn't work the keeper or it's straight out the keeper or he shanks it. Like I think goals are the thing that things that if he 
you know, the way we talk about assists with Trent Alexander-Arnold and his free kicks, etc. I think if he had that part of his game, more goals in his game, he would be... I still think he is one of the best fullbacks of the past 20 years in European football. He's, he's outstanding. Um, but yeah, I just, I just saw him at the weekend and I saw the second half performance in particular and thought, yeah, he's... Uh, He's kind of flown under the not under the radar because no, I get what you mean though. Like, if you were if you were asking somebody to list, you know, the five best players of the Klopp era, you would say Salah, Van Dyke, Firmino, um, Mane. Yeah, you'd name the front three first, and you'd probably say Trent before Robertson. Yeah, you would. Um, Allison. Yeah. I mean, you you might like of their starting eleven, you'd get fairly far down the list, maybe potentially before you got to him. But that may not be fair, or they may speak to just how great this era has been for them. I think we've taken him for granted. I think it's just, I think it's more that um, his consistency and his his level of play. And you read too, JJ, that he's even more vital to them. It seems like off the pitch than great he is character. on it. I saw Harvey Elliott was talking about it to the Liverpool Echo. Uh, he said he's a great guy. He's so great to have in the changing room because he's always encouraging people, wanting to bring that positive energy. He's as funny as anything, and it's great to be around him. I've, I have no idea where he gets his energy from. I think he's just always energetic. He's always bringing the energy into the group. Whenever anyone's feeling deflated in the group, he's always there to pick us up. And if you speak to him, he's that natural Scottish energy. What a player. What a guy. 200 Premier League appearances for Liverpool at the weekend. Um, absolutely brilliant. And And his... When he was signed, I had no idea. I had no idea why he was signed. I hadn't really paid any attention to him. He signed from a relegated team from Hull. Just and he and his his path to play for for Liverpool was so convoluted. He was rejected by Celtic. Ended up at Queens Park, um, in in Scotland. Uh, ended up at Dundee. Oh, sorry, excuse me, Dundee, Dundee United, and then. Just truly amazing. There's a great picture of him tackling Virgil van Dijk when van Dijk was at Celtic and he was at Dundee. Um, and now he's won everything, absolutely everything in the game and captain of his country and captain of Liverpool at the weekend. Yeah, uh, pretty cool. Props to him on a great game. And like you said, his 200th Premier League appearance for Liverpool. Very cool. Uh, Manchester United, JJ, torn apart at home by Brighton. Oh, uh, 3-1 Jesus. was the final. It was 3-0 at one point. Um just, I mean, what do you say about this right now? With you, we'll get to the Brighton side of it, but with United, like, where to begin? Yeah, I mean, my my outlandish prediction that they would be really bad from the preview podcast. Remember those predictions we made that we could take back later in the season? Well, I'm not taking this one back yet. No, three defeats out of their opening five. That's the first time that's happened for United in the Premier League era. Four consecutive. Defeats to the same opponent. That's only the third time this has happened to them in the Premier League era. Um, just the just the manner of it, Andrew. Like being so so comprehensively beaten. I mean, we know how good Brighton are, but like Dejerby is only in the job literally a year. It's September eighteenth. He was announced September eighteenth last year. It's been literally three hundred sixty-five days that he's been their manager. Right, and, and contrast that with with Ten Hag, who already has a trophy, and like United look, they look as bad as they did in in the most shambolic moments of 
Solskjaer's reign. There's a lot of stats guys out there as well. Man United ones, the Devils in the Detail podcast, which is it's good. It's good stats and tactics heavy, but um, it's worth a listen if you're a United fan. And I mean, they were they've been tweeting for maybe the last month that you know the underlying qualities of this United team, the things that they like. There's they they weren't they'd say they weren't worried about this team. But like, how can how can you not be? I mean, they're so leggy in midfield. When did they say that? Before the season? No, during the season. Up until recently, I would say. I haven't I mean, checked I, in. in a I don't want to. I, mean, I don't want to be overreactionary, but it seems hard to to have that opinion today. I mean, Brighton's third goal uh, was absolutely brilliant, and it's gone viral. Uh, but it's it's gone viral for two reasons. It's gone viral amongst Brighton and football fans because it is just a work of class right from the back all the way through, playing through the United Press or whatever. I mean, if you want to call it a press. Yeah, that's the second part. It's gone viral amongst Manchester United fans as the the signifier of how far the club has fallen and how some of these players just should not be there. Andrew, if you look at it, with, if you put your United spectacles on, that goal is a disgrace. Like, I hate calling things disgrace. It's so over the top. But, uh, you it's the parlance of football. It just looks bad. Very, very bad. Like there's no energy in the press. There's no commitment to close players down. There's no proper tackle goes in at all. There's one moment in it where, because you don't, you're not thinking of like a Brighton team, but the gap opens up and as Brighton are surging forward and you're like, go on, drive into that gap. And Brighton are like, nah, I'll take it out to the right because they were almost toying with them. Takes it out to the right, comes back again to the left, and then comes inside, and it's a brilliant feat from Gross and buries it past Onana. And again, it's not modern football. It's me with my old, old man brain, but I'm like, isn't that the football that a Manchester United should be playing? And And they're not, and it's the Brighton side, and this stat has been thrown around this weekend, and apologies if you've heard it already, but that Brighton 11 that dismantled United at Old Trafford cost 18 million to put together. 18 million. There's players there, um, Lallana, Adam Lallana, who had a brilliant game, that would be derided by Manchester United fans. You know, look at some of the players at that club. James Milner, Danny Welbeck. Danny a, Welbeck United, a United cast-off. Yeah. Since 2014, he's nearly gone a decade. Um, how is this happened? And it really just boils down to coaching and recruitment. But I would say mostly recruitment. I mean, Casemiro. Just, no, just it, too slow, too slow for, for the kind of mobility of, of what Brighton were doing. Ericsson would have been a great sign-in for Manchester United 10 years ago. Not now. Um, a lot of a lot of kind of players where you're like, like Reggion is there now. How's that happened? Hoyland looked good. It looked Definitely like he had good. a goal until it was Bruno looks good, but I mean, that midfield just not fit for, for what Brighton could bring. And um, yeah, I, 
just just the the difference in, in I thought of it this way like Brighton have to be clever Brighton have to be able to get in quality players like Lamptey like Evan Ferguson they have to be able to do it and do it on the cheap that's the they simply have to to survive although Premier League clubs make more than they I mean they make so much money now that even Brighton are, are compared to uh, you know, some teams in Syria are incredibly rich. But you take my point that necessity is the mother of invention. They have to be good. Whereas United are kind of trapped in this gilded cage. Like when Casemiro is offered up to you by Real Madrid, he's got the trophies, he's got the CV, he's got the the background where you go, yeah. It's almost like United are in this mindset, well, we have to go and get him. Whereas the clever teams, like Klopp's Liverpool early on, they're doing things that I'm not seeing. So because they're recruiting for a specific style of play, they're recruiting to do a specific job. It's not that they're a big name player. It's not that they they fit the bill of what you think a Manchester United or a Liverpool player should be. Like you remember on this podcast when when Klopp signed um, Gini Wijnaldum. Mm-hmm. What was my reaction? I was like, Why? The why soon became obvious. He wanted a, you know, a ball-winning athletic midfield that we're going to be able to press and we're going to be like full of energy, the energy that Liverpool needed to be to to operate that that early crazy energetic press that Klopp had instilled. And like Dejerby said after the game, the players have the right skills and the characteristics, especially mentally, to play my style of football and to play brave as I want. Now, a lot of those players are there. Here's the coaching side. A lot of them are there from before Dejerby was there, but the ones he's brought in have been able to adapt to what he needs. And you just look at United and it's, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, you wonder from a recruitment perspective, like remember JJ, I think we talked about this uh, last year, early last year. Um, what was it? United could have had uh, Caicedo for like 4 million in 2021, I think it was. Yeah. But they chose not to, um, and like, <laughs> look how that has backfired but spectacularly. The, but... Like, I, I feel like they want to be a club. You know, they don't really like. Do they want to develop players, or do they want players to come in who they think are already developed that they can fit into whatever their manager wants to do? But that um, doesn't mean you buy Casemiro and Ericsson and 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 guys like that. You know, um, that. I don't know. It just it just seems to me that there's so much more effort going in, and and one of the things we heard towards the end of the Fergie period was that the whole scouting system that had made United ahead of everybody else, that had created the class of '92 and all that, all those those were mostly local lads, but their scouting system had broken down. That it was it was it wasn't fit for purpose for a modern club. And so now they're just in this cycle of buying these players, these big name players that are past it or don't fit or don't work. Um, yeah. And, and the argument that could be thrown back at me now is, well, look at Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford was dire at the weekend, like absolutely dire. Apart from that run he went on last season, that scoring run. Well, he was very yeah. good for a, a significant chunk of last season. It wasn't just like a patch. Uh, he had a he had a really good year, 
He's um, a problem now. Well, I mean, he's Serious one of problem. many. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll see. Like United, they, look, they signed Rasmus Hoyland, who's a young player that, you know, maybe yeah. that will be something. They spent a lot, um, and he's lot. By, by no means... But he looks good, at least. Right. So, you know, maybe there is certain players that will start to move the ball in the, in another direction. But you're right. And, like, you know, look at the manager right now. I mean, this, for me, this is, especially after they won that trophy, I, I kind of remember thinking, okay, like, they're good. They found their manager. And, I mean, he's, you have to have some level of questions right now. Um, sure. Absolutely. And I know there's injuries. There's, They've signed Amrabat and he's not going to be able to play until well, we don't know yet. So I, I like I do I do get that, but I just I don't see I don't see the plan. And it's and it's just the worst thing in terms of exposing a club that's badly run. The worst thing you want is Brighton rolling in. You know? Like Yeah, because they are they're very much the opposite. I mean, in looking at Brighton, like that's the thing, like you Deserby, I know you you said the financial value of of the team that was put out there to play against this United team. They made six changes to their their lineup from the team that beat Newcastle before the international break, and they looked even better. Yeah, yeah, you know, like this wasn't even really their eleven. You know they they've like, lost like they've lost Caicedo in the last year. They lost their goalkeeper. Um, yeah, you know, like but, they, but Andrew, apart from um, apart from uh, here's a good example. We talked we talked at the um. I think I picked him as one of the players to watch, um, Simon Adringa. So, like, why aren't United? Why isn't he being identified by them as a as a possible? But I'm not saying buy him. I'm just saying a, a player like him, um, as a possible player to bring in. Like, well, apart from Matoma, uh, Lamptey, and Dung, from that starting eleven. Manchester United wouldn't wouldn't even look at any of these other players. Maybe they would now because Pascal Gross has played long yeah. enough. But oh yeah, he's a German German international now. But now, but but they wouldn't have looked at them before. No. They got rid of Welbeck, Adam Lallana. I know yeah, injuries are... have been an issue. Never, they'd never look at Adam Lallana. Uh, Lamptey and Dunk, I'm sure they would have probably. But like, all I'm saying is that just the resourcefulness. And then earlier in the week, we heard, what was it, 900 million. United had just tied up some sponsorship for like, part of me, part of me says, none of this matters. United generate money, so much money, whether they're good, whether they're bad. They will, they were, they just bring in so much cash. And that's why, that's why the Glazers are like, we really want to get out of this thing because we don't actually, we don't actually have to be good. Yeah, and you know it's interesting because I'm glad you bring up the Glazers because you know when, when people talk about United, they rightfully so get crushed. You know, mm. the the fans want them out. Um, yeah. You now the the conversation is that like this this toxic culture that has permeated United it, it begins there, and they need to be out. So by the same token, I think we have to look at Brighton, and like we always go on and on to Zerbi, to Zerbi, and and rightfully so, he's spectacular. He's probably one of the might be one of the best managers in the world right now. But if we're going to talk about clubs cultures beginning from the head, I think like we have we ever mentioned Tony Bloom on this no. podcast? I mean, he's uh, he did a really he sat down with the Athletic recently and really opened up about like their way of doing things and his perspective. Um, you know, he's talking about how 
he knows what they are, like where they like he understands the Brighton dilemma of where they kind of are in the food chain. He knows Deserby's going to go at some point. And so he talked about this. He said, I don't try to worry too much about difficult situations. I just plan as much as we can. I've always got a plan of head coaches potentially, but you never know who may be available at any, at any one time. I have no idea when when Roberto will leave the football club, but like everyone, he will eventually leave. And so I'm very comfortable with the process that we've got in place, that we will get the best possible replacement in. That's obviously not the same as saying we're going to get somebody in like Roberto, as good as Roberto. Roberto is fairly unique in what he does and how he sets up the team. And when the day comes, it will be a difficult position to fill, but we'll do it to the very best of our abilities. Like they, they're ready. Like they know, like you said before, they have to be this way. And so they've gotten very good at it. They know if we're going to thrive and succeed, we have to have the next great manager identified. We have to have the next, our recruitment has to be set up, you know, looking like in areas where other clubs aren't looking. Cause we know that this is how, this is the only way we can thrive and they've perfected it. For now, uh, we've seen it before with clubs like Southampton. Sometimes your luck runs out. But Brighton are in one of those moments right now where everything they touch turns to gold. I I, I think if I was to Sherby, I would, I would stay as long as he can there. It's a tough but, one because it, I don't know. Like, I, I That would be cool Like I because I, it's kind of boring to just see the same cycle of events where the great yeah. manager then goes to the same old clubs and it's just like then he kind of like – He's just in that tier where they all get passed around to other clubs. So it would be right. it would be cool to see him do it, but I wouldn't fault him because like can no, Brighton no, no. offer him financially what but, he can but, get wait. from other clubs and the resources that other clubs are providing? Like I don't know, but he's providing himself with the resources, the players that he needs to do something special there. But can that I'm continue? Not... Like that's what I'm saying. Like Southampton had this for years, and then eventually no, they like... did not like this, not like this. They had it. They had it. They had a cycle of players. That came in that did very well, but Southampton did not occupy the the kind of zone or the potential zone that um that Brighton are right now. I because I think there's like Southampton would have those players, they'd sell them on, sure, but they never achieved as much as I feel Brighton are right now. And I I would just like it's so naive. If there was a way he could stay for as long as possible as long as possible and take this to its like to its logical conclusion because I don't think he has the potential same environment to work in if he went to Chelsea he definitely doesn't if he went to Manchester United definitely not even if he went to Liverpool no probably not Um, no those three clubs are off the table for three different reasons right now, Tottenham off the table. Like he'd have to go outside of England right now to find somewhere. And I'm sure there'd be plenty of suitors um, in Germany. I'm sure. There were, but like, there's no, there's no bigger place for him to go right now. Everything is just perfect there. And I, I hope they can seize the opportunity. To, I'd love to see them like push, push for a top four or do more than that win a European competition. They're they're just brilliant to watch. Yeah, they um, real that is certainly you, true. You've dubbed him as the the next big character in English football. I think so too. I just like what you said. You hit the nail on the head. I'd just be bored if he inevitably like say Potch say say Pod gets upset with Potch and gets rid of him. Like to think that the Zerbi would have to answer to Todd, or to even have to work with like the 
the way Todd works, or to have to, to bend to Todd. I, I just think he's in such a good position right now. Uh, I Before we move off of this, I, I just want to point out, so Brighton finished sixth last year, Europa League place. Southampton yeah. in 2015-16, uh, that was their highest right. finish. They finished sixth. Yeah. On a, a team that consisted of Virgil van Dijk, Sadio Mane, Victor Wanyama, Dusan Tadic, James Ward-Prowse. I mean, they were loaded. Yeah. These are guys who turned into like true superstars. Right. But but there's but they did not uh, um as good as good as Pochettino was or whoever the manager was then in, in at that point. They, like the Jerby, the way that they play, like just and they, the, the year before they had Aldevarel, um Morgan yeah. Schneiderlin, who didn't turn out to be much, but in the no. certainly had a moment where he was United signed him. Um that's not I mean, they, 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 but they, I'm saying that I, I do think that there are some comparisons. If we made the all Brighton 11 and put them against the all Southampton 11, I think it'd be a great game. I think so. But, but just Luke Shaw, the, manage, the, manage, the manager is playing in a style that we haven't really seen before. He's like, okay, come and press me. We'll, we'll find a way around your press. We will get in behind you. We'll exploit the gaps you leave from your press, and we'll do it amazingly. And and I mean, look at look at all the goals they score. Like they're just they're they're outstanding. They're from absolutely a, outstanding. If, if we had like a Premier League watchability rankings, oh, in that table they've got to be top three. Yeah. Oh yeah. I never remember thinking that about Southampton. Really. As watchable as Brighton are now. I mean, oh. maybe maybe not quite as I don't know, not quite. But I, I remember they were they were very fun. Southampton. I don't yeah. I don't know what's gotten into you. This is my, my, of 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 uh, of my beach towns, <laughs> of my of my port towns in the south of England. I am clearly, um, clearly going with Brighton. Yeah, I mean they're. They're fun. They're the real deal. And uh, we'll see how long it continues. I mean, it's just so funny to hear them, the, the owner talk about when he goes. We know we know he's going to leave. Like, yes, there's no, I hate that. It's just, it's, just... They, it's just how it is. It's just how it is. Uh, let's see, JJ, we've got an, a, a gorgeous mailbag coming up in oh, mere moments. I can't wait for fantastic. it. But, but before we do, I just want to remind everybody that support for Caught Offside is brought to you by Manscaped. That's right. The best. In men's below-the-waist grooming, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. So join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. Comes with the lawnmower, which is the main shaver. There's the weed whacker, which is more for kind of trimming nose hairs. Uh, the package comes with the boxer briefs, different sizing options, of course, for the lawnmower, the portable charger. There's the uh, the special travel bag that it comes in, which I always wonder what that costs just on its own. I feel like that's even that is a, a, a valuable item. Um, it's a fantastic product, and we know this because we are users of it. Uh, and it has made what can be, with the wrong tools, a very annoying process of, as as Manscaped puts it, below the below the waist grooming. Is that what it is? It can yeah. be. 
As you've proven, Andrew, it can be a bloody mess. Yeah, it sure can. And there's no reason for that. It's That's such silliness. Just go ahead and do this. We're giving you 20% off. I mean, come on, oh people. Like, if you're someone who does this, the below-the-waist grooming, and you're doing it the wrong way, it doesn't need to be like that. We can tell you from our own personal experiences as people who have done it the wrong way and then gotten this product and done it the right way, it's so much easier. I can't believe I ever used to do it any other way. It actually it freaks me out sometimes when I think about the operation that used to be going on. Um, from from the process to the cleanup, it's just not necessary. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code CAUGHTOFFSIDE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Big old male beezy coming up after this. You don't want to miss it. More Caught Offside still to come. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now, caught offside a late, late Monday night in rainy New York City. Miserable. Yeah, rained all day, I didn't all get day to the, long. I didn't get to the gym. I got out for a walk. I didn't get to the gym, though. I just, I'm, if I haven't exercised, I'm in, it, it affects my mood so much. Like even a run or a cycle or something, I didn't get any of that. And I, I just, oh, foul humor. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for rainy day activities, I for, I can never remember conversations that we had on the pod or off. So if I said this already on the show, I apologize. But if you're looking for a show, JJ, um, Amanda and I have been watching Shrinking, and it's fantastic. You have mentioned that before, I think. I have? Okay. Yeah, I'm just gutted that uh, the news today, that winning time um, on HBO, the story of the Lakers, um, has been canceled. There will oh, not be right? another season. So they, we can't see the... I mean, if you want, I, I, can, I can tell you how it ends. No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I want to see it. Oh, I know. Okay. Well, I know how it ends, but I want to <laughs> see it. It's so good. And because it's based on Jeff Perlman's book, the details there. I mean, you even have Jeannie Buss saying it's such a great show and she's in it. Well, she's also portrayed like there's probably a lot of people in it. Like, I don't I don't know if Jerry West is going to is going to give it the same review. But, uh, as Jeannie Buss is portrayed amazingly. Like she comes off great in that show. Jerry West isn't happy, but equally the the, the characterization of him, particularly in season one. Like a psychopath. But but, but um what was it Jeff Perlman said? Go read his autobiography. There's nothing in that 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 isn't portrayed in you know. Yeah. It, it's fine to write this stuff about yourself, but then when you see an actor portray you, I'm sure it can be pretty jarring. <laughs> but it's yeah. great. It's absolutely great. And it um I think Adrian Brody is brilliant as Pat Riley. Like he's he the minute he starts slicking back his hair, I believe he's Pat Riley. He he looks like he really does look like Pat Riley. Pat if you Riley were to it, if you were to find out right now, JJ, a, a prominent 
soccer team is going to have a show, a, a dramatic interpretation of, of an era oh. um, uh, coming up, uh, who who would you most be saying, oh, please let it be this team? Please let who who would you most want to see it be? God. Um, I wouldn't want it to be a super famous team because I feel like we know all the stories. That that Newcastle team under Keegan, I think that could be fun. The team that okay. finished second, that collapsed. Oh man, that could be very very good. What about some um, of those French World Cup teams that just hated every? They hated the coach. They hated each other. I feel oh, like yeah. there, there's something there. Oh, that's a very good one. Yeah. Um, Brazil '98. Okay. What happened in the final? Did Ronaldo pass out? Like he was on the team sheet, he was off the team sheet. Like what? What the hell happened before that game? <laughs> that would be amazing. Actually, the French national team from '98 to 2006. Keep going that, though. You don't. You're going to miss no, out no, on no. the Anelka stuff. No, good point. '98 to 2010. I call it Sacre Blue. <laughs> the story of the French national team. Yeah, I'd be curious. I would love for the animals to get involved. What I know, oh, actually, I, actually, the French. What am I talking about? From from any, the, don't you feel like there's a United Fergie thing in there with Roy Keane? Like, don't you feel like Roy oh, Keane is God. the perfect character for a, for a show like this? Who would play? If, yeah, but who played Keane? Like, you'd have to be a young, a young up and coming actor, right? Yeah. Ooh, what if we shaved Paul Mescal's head? Could he be Roy Keane? It feels like there's something there with that team. A lot of oh, characters. De- definitely is fights, arguments, winning. Yeah, yeah. That United, United. Oh, I mean, that was the problem with the Fergie documentary, the one that we watched. It was great. It dealt with his illness, everything. It stopped after they won the treble. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> there's way more. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'd love for the animals to get a thread going of the teams that they would love to see portrayed in that kind of way i think wimbledon wimbledon coming up through the the four divisions to the top division to beat best team in europe in the fa cup final in in 1988 and they were psychopaths like is that like 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 jerry vinnie jones yeah. yeah animals yeah uh we have a speaking of animals we have a great mailbag here jj would you like to guide us through yeah, I shall guide you through. Um, CaughtOffSidePod at gmail.com if you like email at COSoccerPod on X, formerly Twitter, and CaughtOffSidePod on Instagram. Go follow us on Instagram. I want to do more on Instagram. We'll have Insta chats. Um, Michael Minahan kicks us off with some good Ange wisdom presented without comment. I'm just going to let Ange talk. This is Ange on mental health earlier in the week. In their life doesn't have something that's stressful. I mean, I've, I've lived 58 years now and there's never been a time in my life where everything is perfect, you know. I lost my father three years ago and he should have been here for the journey. So I've got to deal with that. Everyone, and that's just me talking personally, but everybody, everybody in this room at this moment, you could be, one part of your life could be flying and there'll be something. It could be a family member, it could be a health issue, it could be a financial issue. There's always something. And, and footballers are not immune from that. And sometimes I think they fall into the trap of thinking they are. And they're not, because just because you have, you know, money or, or, or you're really good at something, um, life will still find a way to keep a balance in that there'll be stuff in there that that's going to be stressful, it's going to be upsetting, and, and you've got to just deal with that, you know. 
But do you think enough people in the game understand that as well as you seem to do? I think anyone doesn't understand. I think, like I said, I just think we choose to ignore it. We just mm. at times think, well, he's a footballer, he's got money, what's he got to complain about? You know, well, of course he does. But then the footballer has to also understand that, you know, his life is not, you know, perfection doesn't exist in life. There are, you know, plenty of people, you know, who, who have what we would assume to have all the advantages in life who are fairly unhappy. Mm. Yeah. So that's not that, that doesn't exist. So it's just a matter of, I think for the most part, people are, you know, understand that that's the case and are pathetic. Sometimes we just choose to ignore it because it, it makes a better, not a better story, but it just makes a more impactful kind of scenario that you know, wow, you know, fantastic footballer has problems. Mm. They all do, mate. You know, they all do. Can I ask you something, Andrew? Yeah. Am I going to do what I usually do, which is, I just love Ange so much, but after a while, he's such a good guy and he's so perfect, I'll have to try and take him down. <laughs> I don't know. Is that exclusive to you? Isn't that the way modern society way operates with, with yeah. celebrity culture? He's great, though. He really we, is. We build these people up, and then at their first moment of weakness, we we destroy them. Only I'd to then to rebuild them for the comeback. I'd love to go for a pint with Ange. Yeah, that would be good. Sit down with him. He'd be great. Um, Mark Huntsinger. I can't stop hearing in and around now. Thanks. Mm. It's so true, though. It's. I'm sorry, Mark. It's. Yeah, it's in and around. It's there. And and the other one, the variation on that is, um, these are two British pundits. Here's the presenter talking first. How do you think? Eddie Howe has changed Newcastle United. Well, he's come in. That's it. He's come in, right? Uh-huh. He's just come in and he's put a smile on people's faces. You know, they, these are just, and also uh, the animals did a thread of uh, kind of British pundit speak. One of my favorites. I added to, to the thread for me. Add that to the start of a point you're making or the end, and it's watertight. You, it can't be touched. Ask me, ask me a question now, Andrew. Ask me a question. Um, let's see. JJ, who do you think will replace Klopp at Liverpool? Well, I, I honestly think it would be Roberto De Gerbi for me. <laughs> All right. Fine. Yeah. I kind of like it at the front of extra... the sentence a little more, I think. For me, yeah. But the point is it kind of cuts off any... Any other questions? Oh, it's for you. Oh, the, oh, okay. All right. Okay. That's just, you plucked that from the sky. Um, damn that sky. Damn that sky. In. Uh, what could Leverkusen's peak be this season? Mm. Um, I caught uh, Leverkusen and Munich on Friday. What a at game. A bar. Cracking game. And the thing you came away with was that Leverkusen did not look... They did not look like they were out of their depth at all. Um, they passed the ball really well. I mean, Grimaldo's free kick was, in terms of the knuckled free kick that goes up and comes down right under the crossbar, uh, brilliant goal. Um, but they looked like they, they looked like, you know, they weren't awed at all. They passed the ball really well, and at times they had way better phases of play than than Bayern Munich had. Um, they, Jabby Lanzo, there's a lot of talk about him and what he's done since he's come in and around the football club. But he's been he's been great. Um early 
And I'm going to just say maybe they can sustain a title challenge. I think that's, I think that's absolutely reasonable. Yes, I mean, they're, they're top right now. Mm. Um, uh, they like you said they they play a really nice brand of football. Victor Bonifaz has been excellent. Play, Bundesliga Player of the Month. Um, I saw a stat from who scored JJ against Bayern. He had 17 touches in the opposition box. According to who scored, that's the most of any player in a single match in Europe's top five leagues this season. And he did it against Bayern. Um, so, wow. you know, granted Jacques has gone there um, and he's playing well for them. Florian Verts, a nice young player. They, and, and I think also too, you mentioned Zabi Alonso. Like if we were identifying the next era of managers who are going to enter that tier and then bounce around to all those teams. I think Deserbi is one. I think Jabi Alonso is absolutely another. I think uh, he's, he's destined he for, well. I mean, I know at Real Madrid, it feels like they're already warming the seat for for him for when Carlo leaves. So, yeah. How good does he look though? Just as a man. Jabi Alonso? He just doesn't look like he's, he's aged. He's the most handsome football player of our lifetime. I firmly believe that. Wow. I'll, I'll put it, put anyone up against him. Uh, I'll I'll take Zabby. I think he's the most handsome soccer player of our lifetime. What a shout. Uh, I, I would, mean I, I, who who else? I would Who's be, in there? I, that Graziano Pella. He's he's almost too, too good much looking. Of, yeah. It's, it's yeah, he was beyond. Wow. <laughs> It's a great shout. I, I definitely think I would be intimidated. Just, I mean, he was a hero of mine as well. I had him on the back of my shirt uh, in college. But even even beyond that, I like genuinely, he's so good looking. Ah, oh, it's a great point. Great yeah. shout by you. Um, the P- Peter Crouch story about him hitting on uh, Alonzo's wife. So Crouch moves to Liverpool. Doesn't have a house. He's in a hotel. And in the hotel, the receptionist is super nice to him. So he tells all the guys in the locker room, oh, I'm, I'm definitely, I think she really likes me. I'm going to ask her out. None of them told him that it was Jabby Alonso's wife who was there uh, working in the job to try and improve her English. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. So how did it, what happened? I think, uh, I think, I'm not sure if he asked her out or if he told Jabby Alonso he was going to ask this girl out and then he said, no, that's my wife. <laughs> um. Boy, by the way, also too, like, good for her. Like she, she wanted to get better at it, so she took kind of a random job to improve her English. Like that's fantastic. Oh, what a family! Great family. Um, there's a picture of them. Adopt uh, me. I want. I want to be adopted by the Alonzos. When he um, when he signed for uh, Bayern Munich, they both went in traditional dress, and his wife dressed as you know. In the what is it? Is it a dirndl or a what's it called? Lederhosen, Bavarian. Oh, good lord! That's all I'll say. Absolutely. I mean, they're a fabulously good-looking couple, and she was not hit by any branches of the ugly tree. <laughs> God, all right, I'm distracted now. Yeah. Um, it's Brad thirty-seven. Because of you guys, I I now count the number of times I hear in and around per game, Brad. Don't tell us you count it. Give us a figure, bro. We need to know. I'm starting to, like, I, I need it to now move beyond soccer. I think it's time that it breaks through. Like, I'll this past weekend, JJ, I was at one of my best friends from college got married. Um, so we were at his wedding in Philly. And one of my other really close friends uh, got after it a little too hard. And I'll just tell you that he threw up in and around the kitchen 
<laughs> I think we need more. <laughs> I want Biden to come out after there's been an, uh, um, a strike against a terrorist unit in like Yemen or somewhere. <laughs> Tonight, the forces of the U.S. The U.S. armed forces struck against an Al-Qaeda base in or around Yemen. <laughs> it needs, yeah, it's time for the for this cliche to break through. Yeah. He was shot in or around his face. <laughs> um, third, LFC. Obviously, Arsenal are winning, but do they look like a championship winning team? I'm going to say it's kind of too early. I mean, you want, I keep saying, Actually, I'll I'll take that back. I was going to say I don't want them grinding out as many results as they are. You obviously do if that's the way the game goes. They didn't grind it out against Everton. They were miles better. And the, yeah. the criticism that Dyche got for for not trying hard or at least giving something Arsenal to giving Arsenal something to think about is is fair. Um and also the offside goal was not offside. So it was really 2-0 and it could have been 3-0 or 4-0. And Trossard's goal was brilliant. Really, really good goal. So, um, yeah, they look I, like a I, do they? If if Man City weren't in the league, I'd say yes. Right, that's the thing. I would refer uh, Bird underscore LFC. We did uh, we did this topic on a pod like two weeks ago, I think, um, where we kind of talked about what was going on with Arsenal because they're they're getting results, but something about them looked maybe a little bit off. Um, I mean, look, I. I I think what you just said is kind of it. Like they can finish second in this league, which is great. I just don't, there's nothing from them that I've seen so far this season that would lead me to say, okay, they're, they've caught up to city. I just no. don't think that that has happened. And I don't, I don't, that's not a slight or a knock against them. I mean, look, it's and a good you... sign that like they've continued to not necessarily look their best, but they haven't lost yet. They're only two points back of city. No, um, but so... then you see, you see little things like, Martinelli gets injured. Right. Don't know the extent of that. City unleashed Doku. Oh. 11, 11 possessions inside the the West Ham box. How? I mean, really? How good? Did, I, I'm starting to worry great. a little bit. In our season preview, Jack Grealish was my player of the season. I'm worried. He, is he going to have a hard time getting his spot back? Brilliant goal. Such a good goal. He, You know you know the way you read the the kind of... Not the stats, but the the profile of a player, and then you see him play, and he goes, "Oh yeah, he does do all those things." That's exactly what he is: taking guys on, getting into the box. Anyway, yeah, he's um, gonna be he's gonna be a lot of fun in this league. Yes, uh, John Zero substituting a keeper mid game, genius oh, innovation, yeah. or total galaxy brain. Uh, this is based on Arteta's comments. Um, I didn't actually hear them, but what I did hear was Arteta talk about. Uh, David Rea and his inclusion and pretend that he's just another player. What I want is that the players that deserve to play, that they play. And you know, when Fabio deserves to play, he's been knocking in the door for a few weeks now and, and you can tell that he was ready and he contributed. He had some great actions that he could have been in, in goals and um, and that's what we need. Everybody, when they are ready, they play, they play well. And, and I think both of them, they did that today. So no new number one. It's a Movable feast, if you like. And Fabio, what is it? What number is Fabio? Vieira? What number? Yeah, you said number one. Fabio, what number is it? <laughs> We're talking about the goalkeepers, though, aren't we? Yeah, but it's not, we have we play with 11 players, I think, football. 11 players. 
they're all the same, 11 players. Okay. I, don't, I don't want to play with 10 or with 9, or no, if I could play with 12, 12. So I don't know, Fabio, what number it is. Okay. Thanks, Mikel. Thank you. <laughs> I don't seriously think he wants to substitute a goalkeeper in the middle of the game just for the sake of it, unless he's forced to. Um, I don't believe, like, treating goalkeepers as, like, we need to rotate the goalkeeper, I don't think that makes sense to me, unless the goalkeeper's seriously fatigued or injured. Um, I, I think mean, he wants... You, the word, you just hit on the word, though. Like, look, there's a lot... I know that there are a lot of reasons to make a substitution, but... Maybe the the most prominent of them is fatigue. Like when is a like you just said if a goalkeeper has when does a goalkeeper have that kind of fatigue that he's got to be taken off? Like just feels like a really risky position to utilize one of your few substitutions. I mean, maybe now in an era where you have more subs, I guess you yeah. could justify it. Um, like maybe if you have like rent, I don't know if you have a keeper who's a really good shot stopper. And another one who's not a great shot stopper, but he's great with his feet. I guess at different points in different games, you could want different attributes from your keeper. Um, but I don't know. I, Alan Shearer talked about it. He said, I feel that this is one position where you need a regular, if you can, because of the understanding you need to have with your back four. I think that's. I think there's I something think to fair. that. Yeah, I, I don't believe Arteta. He started banging on there about Fab, Fabio Vieira. What are you on about? It's not the same. I don't buy. I I think this might be a subtle way of easing in the goalkeeper he wants and moving Ramsdale out. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Like I saw, is Ramsdale uh, going to start the, the the Champions League games against PSV? I mean, if you ask me right now, who's a better keeper? I would say Raya. Uh, so I think that this is kind of this was the moment where they transitioned. Wasn't easy. And it's a tough tightrope for Arteta to walk. But like I saw too, JJ, that um, so Raya went to Instagram afterwards, and he basically, you know, I, I forget the exact post, but it was something like to the, the effect of what an honor it was to make my debut for this club. I'm so excited about it. I got a clean sheet. This is a great thing. And um, I saw in his comments, William Saliba, he just responded with top. I think the yeah. that's a little subtle thing. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like. I feel like the transition has happened. It's happened. Did did Aaron Ramsdale unfollow Saliba? You <laughs> got to check out. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Uh, good fellas, uh, for JJ going to Ireland in the spring. Any teams I should pri- prioritize seeing uh, in Ireland? Go see Bohemians. Uh, get up to see Derry City, and go to see Sligo Rovers. Two K nines and a mutt. Love the pod. Any way you could spare a few thoughts about Inter Milan and their big derby win? Um, Oof. Biggest inter, that's big, Inter's biggest win in the Derby since 1974. Yeah, absolute hammering. And it's uh, it's rattled AC Milan to the point that they've invited in, uh, or he's invited himself in. Zlatan Ibrahimovic was at training today. He recently retired Zlatan to inspire the boys ahead of their uh, Champions League game against Newcastle. So, um, yeah, I mean, Inter, Inter were just miles better. And uh, 5-1 is just... You know, Inzaghi has done really an amazing job there. When you when you think about all of the players, like from a side that went to a Champions League final, and then you look at like how they were just pillaged. Uh, this is a from the Athletic. They said the departures of Andre Onana, Milan Skriniar, 
Marcelo Brozovic, Itten Dzeko, and Romelu Lukaku were the sort of thing his predecessor, Antonio Conte, would have quit over. But Inzaghi gets on with it, and his team, perplexingly, looks looks better than ever. Boy, that is so true. Like, I, I love I, I love the way they put that there. Like, that's a, that is one thing that bothers me a little bit about some of today's, quote-unquote, top managers. And Conte was one that I really noticed this with um, when he was with Tottenham. Like, if you want to be considered the best, then manage. Then, like, manage your team, coach your team. I feel like there's just, like, there's so much complaining about the players that aren't there, the players that you wish you had. Yeah. Zaghi, he lost half his team, basically, from a team that went to a Champions League final. Most managers would be so put off by that. Oh, we get right to the doorstep, and then you you pull the rug right out from under me. But, like, he's all right. So now that this is my team now, and we're going to be even better. Um, good for him. That's it's not easy. A lot of managers are not like that. They've won... Four games so far from four matches played. 2-0, 2-0, 4-0, Mkhitaryan looks amazing. Chalanoglu looks great. Marcus Taram has come in, hit the ground running right away. He's come in. There you go. He's come in and around the club. Uh, good for that. I mean, look, I, I, I want to see AC Milan do well because obviously a couple of our guys are there and Pulisic and Yunus Musa, but... Props to Inter. I mean, this was this was a really impressive performance for a team that, like I said, lost a lot of key players. So good for them. Uh, the only crispy fries. Can we please address the fact Taylor Twelman's pot is called offside? Really um, annoys me. I have, I have literally nothing to say about this. It's fu- like what I I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like it's, it's fine. It doesn't really. I think our audience knows the. Which one we are? Hell, maybe yeah. we'll even benefit from it. He's a bigger name than us. There might be people looking for his podcast that stumble into this one, and then next well, thing you know, they'll they'll love this one. It so was pointed out to him it. on when he launched it. It was pointed out to him on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. That hey, that's there is only one caught offside, and and he responded. He made a very nice comment, from what I remember. He said, "Yeah, I hope ours is half as good as that one." Now, I hope he was serious because if he's not. Then what? What, JJ? I said something that would have been wrong to say, but I don't know. I, I I'm gonna hope. choose to take it as a actual compliment. compliment. He's yeah. been on our show before. He has. He has. I found it. Look, I found it a, when I saw that was the name of it. I thought, oh, really? Yeah. Huh, there's a there's a lot of names out there. That's an interesting choice, but whatever. It's. I yeah. I actually look, really go listen to it. go listen to it. There's enough podcasts out there, and I. Happily say ours is better. Wow. Hey, Jake Callum back. Any updates on merch? Holiday season is coming up in a few months. I was wondering if any would be available. It'll definitely be available for holiday yeah. season. I have to apologize. Yeah, right. I have to apologize. <laughs> Life is is um is giving me a bit of a kick in right now, but I mean I'm so close to just getting it done and ready to go, it's not even funny. Um, but yeah, it's it's coming, I promise you guys, and hopefully I'll have more to tell you about that next week. Oh, he, uh, but, look! Look at the way you're just, dude, dude. You don't, you don't even get to speak. All right, right now, this this side of the company uh, is all me. Okay, so you don't even get to comment without me. There wouldn't even be... next the nerve, the amount of times I've heard next week out of your we mouth. I mean, why, why? Without, just without tell my... the people why should they believe you? Uh, because I am an honest man, um, and I can't wait. Uh, I was walking around wearing one of our our prototype T-shirts. That only makes it worse. Yeah, it does make it worse. I know. Okay, it'll get done. God, 
and finally, Caleb, um, any new music recommendations? Um, here's the problem with this is that, uh, well, Andrew, you address your problem with this question. Um, my answer to this question, I, you, I'm sure you can actually relate to this. Mm. Um, do you have bands, JJ, that there was a period of time in your life that you loved? And then I don't know why I can't explain why they just kind of like fall off your radar for a while. And then you kind of all the time. And then suddenly like by accident, you hear one of their songs again and you sort of like re fall in love with them. I'm I'm having, I'm having that happen to me right now with a band that I loved in high school and college. uh, OAR. I was a huge fan of theirs and um, saw them a few times always enjoyed them and then i don't know why i just stopped listening to them for a long time and then i had on like some pandora like random pandora channel recently and Mm. one of their songs popped into it and i was like oh s i remember them and like i've now i've just been on a kick like re-listening to all their old stuff again that i so i've that's my answer i'm re i've rediscovered a band that i once loved and i'm enjoying this and i i that happened to me with uh cloud nothings I, I was into them. I saw them live in Dublin. I saw them. I saw them rebuild their drum kit in the middle of the stage because it wasn't working properly. They moved it to the front and just rebuilt it. Oh. Um, uh, That's I, I, interesting. I, they were so friggin' loud. Oh my god, uh, unbelievable! Uh, I really enjoyed them, and then I didn't listen to them up until I was out with a friend of mine, um, maybe in March or April, and they came on, and uh, and I was like, oh my god. Uh, hadn't heard them in forever, so I'm I got back into them. Yeah. Um, what am I listening to right now? I'm listening to a bit of Gunna. Gunna, he has that song F- "You Mean," and it's my brother turned me onto it because he feeds my nephew to this song, and it's uh, it's huh. it's got absolutely great beat. So I'm listening to a bit of Gunna, um, and on the other side of things, I recently went to see uh, I guess they'd be house or techno. Uh, a group called uh, Bicep, and they're from Northern Ireland or the north of Ireland. You better be careful. They're from Ulster. Okay. Um, and they were absolutely brilliant, and they have not come off the rotation at all. And then, of course, uh, someone, Fontaine's DC, who everybody knows in this podcast, I love, they released uh, an album. Uh, a kind of an updated Skinty Fia album called Skinty Fia Gujo, which is like Skinty Fia Forever. And they've added some live tracks and some covers. A cover of U2's One, which is very good too. Oof. So I'm listening to that as well. well. That's very nice. There you go. A lot of good answers to that question. Very, yeah, very I hope, nice. I hope that's not overwhelmed you, Caleb. No, this is, I think it's exactly what he was. He clearly wants some music. What was, what was OAR's biggest song, Andrew? Probably Crazy Game of Poker, I would say, was probably their most uh, mainstream hit oh i don't know that I it was know a, that i don't one. think i don't know that it was a radio song but i think it had kind of like a oh, cult following around it that that one they if you're a band on the jersey shore you have to play that one yeah that's it's, that it's upbeat it, it's very in line with music that i would like like i think anyone who knows me and my sensibilities would probably have guessed that that yeah that, that that's a band that he liked in college sure i think it makes sense I just see May 18, 2023, Goo Goo Dolls and OAR. I won't Goo back Goo Dolls. down. And OAR together. Wow. That's an interesting I pairing. I won't back down. Is this a cover of 
Let me check if it's a cover of what I think it's a cover of. All right, well, here, you do that while I end the pod. Uh, this was very enjoyable. I, I love a good mailbag pod, especially to go with all the, the good Premier League action that was going on over the past weekend. We'll have another pod a little bit later this week. And it should be a doozy as the Champions League, the UEFA Champions League, returns so much good action. AC Milan's got Newcastle. Um, that'll be a fun one. Uh, PSG and Borussia Dortmund, another fun one. Lots of good stuff coming up over the... Uh, Bayern Celtic, ooh. Yeah, that, I, I like that one as well. That, that'll be good. So there's, there's going to be a lot, lot to sink your teeth into. It's going to be a fun couple of days, and we'll, of course, um, be back with you. Like I said, sometime um, midweek, oh, Arsenal, PSV, Bayern and United. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> uh, that should be an interesting one as well. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot. So we'll have all that for you coming up uh, midweek. Check your feeds. I would say probably early Thursday morning is my, uh, Leave my guess. Leave us a rate and review us wherever you can. Do all that. Uh, yeah, that's, by the way, that I won't back down by Tom Petty. Oh, we are and the Goo Goo Dolls. Wow. Well, this is this is very interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look this up. I now know what the rest of my night is gonna consist of as I fall down a YouTube rabbit hole. JJ, this was great. I enjoyed being in and around this podcast as I always do. To you, I say Check you later, fun boy. I'll see ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.